to the button check podcast it's a video game podcast i am david and i'm isaiah and it's been a while since we've done an episode a couple months maybe yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think the last episode actually went up in april i think but it's been a while since we've recorded It's, it's been busy times for us personally but hey we're we have time to make another one of these so and what more to bring yeah We've been thinking about uh, changing up how we do our little format here, so we're, we're going to try a few different things uh, in the next few episodes, I think, but for this one, we're going to have a little fun. We are going to talk about game controllers. The most important aspect of any video game console is having a fantastic controller, but as we'll go over tonight, not every controller is created equal. We'll be going through all of the first-party controllers that are packaged with a home console so like no mad cats or like weird third-party controllers or peripherals these are the base controllers that come with a game console we'll be going through and talking about if not all of them as many as we can right so the way that we are doing this is uh rather than going through and numbering them from best to worst uh we're not going to do that because that is it's, it's a pain in the ass it sounds like a nightmare i, I don't feel like doing that right now uh, instead, we have built a tier list. We are doing this uh, with tiermaker.com. No sponsorship, by the way. We have four different tiers for these controllers. I mean, I, I made this tier list. I, I made the list itself how we do this, but uh, I are, would you say we're kind of in agreement with how we got things set up? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so we have four different tiers that we're going to fit these controllers into. We have the bottom tier, which is bad. This is where we put bad controllers. Uh, the next tier is passable. They're not necessarily bad, and they're not fantastic, but, you know, they're, they're the base controller. They, they get the job done. You know what I mean? Then next up, we have great controllers. Hey, these controllers were pretty good. They're, you would someone say great for their console. You, They're a blast to play with. And then we have the top tier, the standard. This is the... The highest tier we can possibly give to a controller, a controller that sets the standard for other controllers of its ilk. We will go through and rate all of these in terms of these four tiers. Also, uh, we'll be having controllers randomly selected for us. We are not going to start from like the very beginning, like the NES era or like, and then SNES and whatnot. We're going to have them given to us at random because having them sequentially get newer and newer, uh, it'd make us think a bit differently of how we rate these controllers, how we like rate right. the standard. So we will be using a random number generator to remove any kind of bias we have from the previous controller. And to preface this, the consoles we'll be covering are the big four. So Nintendo consoles, Sega consoles, PlayStation, and Xbox. Uh, if this turns out any popular uh, down the road, we may do this again with more systems. There's plenty more consoles that have bad controllers. Right. So we got stuff like Atari. We had the Turbo Graphics controller, or um, oh you know, boy. You know, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, there's pl- or like 3DO, like weird, like 
not necessarily weird, but just like different controllers for systems that were more like one-offs or like the Atari stuff that was just all bad. Uh, what do you say we get started? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. The original Xbox controller, controller F, the big one. This Come is, on down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the original, original Xbox controller. So when the, when the Xbox first came out, it had a massive controller fit for a good enough fit for a big ass hands. Uh, later right. on, they released the controller S, which is more or less a very similar layout, but a more modest size. I, I would consider the controller S better than the big controller, the Duke, as we're calling it. Uh, but that's down the road. Um, so yeah, big controller. Uh, it has two analog sticks. It's got a weird funky D pad that doesn't feel great. Um, it's got the four face buttons. It's got A, B, X, and Y, but it's at like a weird angle and it's got black and white buttons above those and L and R triggers that are both analog. Uh, have you played with this controller at all? Uh, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't consider it a bad controller because like it, it was a very sturdy, like it was a well-built controller. Yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. comfortable, especially for my, like, tiny-ass hands when I was playing with this yeah. as a kid. Same. Like, I remember I, a friend of mine in middle school had an Xbox, and I borrowed the Xbox from him. Uh, he borrowed my GameCube, and that was the controller he had was the was the Duke. It wasn't comfortable, but it was heavy, and it was a very well-built controller in terms of, like, its build quality rather than its, like, yeah. ergonomics. The the weird, like, diamond face button layout it's got where it's at an angle, I can see why they went with that, but I, in hindsight, it's just a bad idea. <laughs> like, I mean, the Xbox was just supposed to be, like, this alien futuristic tech. That was, the, like, the scheme it was going for with the original Xbox. So, like, this controller is probably supposed to look like some sort of, like, space spaceship controller or something like that so like the the weird buttons were probably just like an aesthetic thing they chose which is cool but i don't know the layout itself has a lot of analogs to the sega dreamcast controller which very much inspired the remaining xbox controllers going forward like the dreamcast controller was itself like a, a pivotal moment in terms of game controller design which but we'll get to that in terms of its layout right because I mean, even the the Xbox had like two slots in its controllers for memory cards, which much very similar to what the Dreamcast was doing. Personally, I'd put this as a passable controller. It's not a bad controller. It functioned right, yeah. Like it, it was no. a solid controller, but it wasn't great. It didn't feel good to hold personally. The, yeah. One oh another thing going forward. This is all subjective, by the way. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. aren't like a uh, controller connoisseur type of thing, you know. I mean, this I can just opinionate it. I can be constr- I can be controller connoisseur all day, but right, yeah, yeah, but True. yeah, I I would be cool with putting this as a possible controller. It, it's what you it's what yeah. you get. It's what got you through the door. They eventually yeah. improved upon this big time. Yeah. If I didn't know any other controllers existed, which I wouldn't have, right? I would be fine with this controller. So yeah, I'd say passable makes sense. Yeah, like even at the time when this came out, people were like, "Why is this controller so goddamn big?" Yeah. Yeah, and the controller that Japan got was controller S, which is what was brought over <laughs> here as the standard. Although I do like um, where the black and white buttons are above the traditional like ABXY. They were going for six face buttons, which 
this was the last major home console to do six face buttons in this type of layout. We'll, we'll get to face button numbers and hopefully soonish uh, with controller S. You know what? Let's just rank controller S while we're here. Okay. Yeah. Controller, that's fine. Controller S, the uh, the next iteration of the original Xbox controller was it was the more or less the Model Two of the original Xbox controller. It was a much sleeker, smaller controller. It still had the two analog sticks, uh, a, a little a better D pad. It still wasn't great, but it was better than the uh, yeah. uh, big Duke in my opinion. Same analog triggers, still felt pretty good in the hand. The diamond face button layout A B X Y was a more traditional diamond layout that wasn't at a weird angle that uh has more or less set the standard for uh, other controllers going forward. The black and white buttons were this time placed below the uh, face button, the diamond face button layout. If certain games were designed with the layout of the Duke in mind, you may have a hard time controlling those games with the controller S, but pretty soon the controller S became the standard for the original Xbox. Personally, I think it's better in every single possible way than the Duke. I would go as far as to say, this is a great controller. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, did you have a, an original Xbox growing up? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I had the original Xbox, and I was victim to the orange ring of death. Oh, oh no. Yeah. But yeah, no, this controller was great. It, you know, weird thing about it, though, this was during the time when, when like, controllers had two parts to them. Yeah, with the, uh, the controller plug itself. This was, like, a yeah. weird one-off thing that I... No, I wouldn't necessarily call it a one-off, because the 360 was a victim of this, too. Right, yeah these controllers had a breakaway cable in the event that you had this controller, these wired controllers plugged into your console and say your, your goofy ass dad just starts walking from the TV and trips over the wire. It's not going to yank this console out of its uh, little hidey hole in on the T where the TV is. Uh, right. It'll has these like little mag. I don't know if I'd call them magnetic hooks, but like it can sense like the amount of stress being put on the cable and like, it'll just yank the breakaway cable out rather than like pulling the whole console with it, which right. very smart design, but in they just knew dads are going to be walking in front of their kids. Right. But in hindsight, bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Cause it made it to where like, if you lost one part, you know, yeah, or let's you're, say you're, you're taking true. your controller apart. Yeah. You had to have both. So, I mean, but also wireless wires became inefficient with wireless controllers anyways. Right. Yeah. So. Th this was the last generation where wired controllers were the standard. Right. Yeah. Work. I worked at a used game store for like four years. Whenever we'd get these controllers in, uh, we have so many of them that were missing the breakaway cable. We just couldn't take it because we had no extras. We had no spares for breakaway cables. It was so annoying. Other than that, uh, I would say a major hiccup, but uh, it didn't take away from the actual quality and feel of this controller. And I say this is a yeah. great controller. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 100%. So that's it for original Xbox. The Duke we put at passable and the controller S is in the great tier. That's a great controller. All right. Random number generator gives us, ooh, the Wii U gamepad. Oh, boy. The Wii U gamepad. Did you have a Wii U when it came out? Thankfully, I did it. Did, do you have a Wii U at all? No. Uh, thankfully, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Wii U when it came out that Christmas. Uh, have you played with the gamepad at all? No. Boy, howdy, did you uh, miss out. Is there um, anything close to the Switch? No, I, I would not put this in the same caliber as the Switch at all. The Wii U gamepad has two analog sticks. Uh, it's it's a very or not it, it's a very symmetrical controller. The two analog sticks were directly across from each other, rather than like 
the left sticks in the top left and the right sticks on the bottom half of the controller. Instead, the uh, two sticks are like in the top halves of their respective sides, which is an interesting layout, much like how the DualShock Sony controllers have the two analog sticks like right smack dab next to each other on their respective sides. The Wii U gamepad did the same thing, just on opposite uh, corners. Okay. And the face buttons uh, has four face buttons. It's got a D-pad. It's got two triggers. Both of them are digital triggers, and then it has two two bumpers. Uh, The big thing with the gamepad, though, it's got a big-ass screen on it. Right, yeah. It's a big-ass touch screen. Not capacitive touch like an iPhone or an Android phone or like the newer touchscreen devices. This require this is more along the lines of like a Nintendo DS screen where you it really benefited from having a stylus. And mm-hmm. fortunately, the games that use the touchscreen were built around the fact that you were using a stylus for this thing. Uh, because touching that screen with your, like your bare ass finger did not feel good and was not designed for that. The Wii U gamepad also had built in speakers. You could play Wii U games straight off the gamepad. That was like a big thing about it with the Wii U. You could play games on your TV or you could play games on your gamepad. Or certain games uh, took advantage of the fact that one pa- you were playing the game on the screen. You're playing a game on the TV screen with like uh, s- like uh, status items or like, or like your inventory or like other stuff happening on the gamepad screen. Not many games took full advantage of the gamepad versatility with like having two screens. Uh, the games that did, it was a very neat gimmick. Uh, Nintendo Land comes to mind. Nintendo Land is a fantastic uh, multiplayer party game. I love Nintendo Land. But not enough games like really took advantage of like the real capabilities of it. And the games that did, I don't think really nailed them. You know what I mean? Like Nintendo really didn't give a good reason for why you needed the gamepad. Nintendo Land was the big thing. And if you notice, like a lot of the big Wii U titles... The Nintendo first-party Wii U titles have already come over to the Switch with not many changes to them, if any at all. Uh, the main ones that like did not make it over are are Nintendo Land because the game was like you needed the gamepad for the way that game plays, and uh, I guess Xenoblade, but like or Xenoblade X, but like that's single-player RPG. You don't need a gamepad for that. But right, regardless. Oh, what else? The Wii, Wii U game had motion sensing. It had a little selfie camera in it, so that was kind of neat. I mean, this is just kind of innovative, don't you think? It's Omega innovative, and they had no idea what to do with it. (laughs) Right, okay. They they threw all this innovation into this controller, and they just could not think of a good enough reason beyond Nintendo Land for it. Which is weird, right? Because they had so much much time with, like, their handheld consoles. Yeah. To, you know, experiment with touchscreens and stuff like that. Yeah, and then, like, the console itself was powerful enough to, like, like stream like the actual game to the screen itself so you can just play off of the screen which i think was a really neat feature that's impressive yeah for its time definitely very impressive it just did not like games that required use of the gamepad did not feel good to play like i really personally do not like the feel of the wii u gamepad i think the buttons are really mushy uh, the d-pad especially the trigger buttons personally to me felt very cheap the whole like the gamepad itself I mean, it, it had some weight to it because it's got a whole screen in there, but like it didn't have this premium build to it that I expect from a Nintendo system. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to, to me personally, it just felt like a cheap Fisher-Price tablet. And I oh, guess it kind of had to be that because it's the main controller that comes with your system. Like, they had to keep costs down in some ways, and I feel like the gamepad really suffered for that. Like, the, the, main, the one thing I do like about the Wii U gamepad, though, was playing Splatoon on it. 
yeah. because of the motion sensing, I played Splatoon using the motion controls. And with the weight, the added weight of having a bulky Wii U gamepad uh, with how you flick the controller around when you're when you're firing in that game, I think felt really good. It's something that I felt lacked from Splatoon 2 on the Switch. Like, I still preferred how that game felt on the Wii U rather than the Switch. I'm probably in a minority on that one, but that's just how I feel. I personally don't like the Wii U gamepad. I don't think it's a bad controller. There are definitely worse controllers in the Wii U gamepad, but if it's all you had for your Wii U, I consider it just passable. Okay. I think the killer app for the Wii U gamepad was its web browser. That thing was sick. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> the, Wii U, the, Wii U, the Wii U internet browser was the killer app for the Wii U. I'd like to go into that someday. Alas, whoa, this is not the podcast for it. Yeah, Wii U gamepad, I put it passable. Would you agree? Sure. As <laughs> someone who doesn't have a Wii U. Yeah, I have to take your word for it. <laughs> okay, let's well hopefully let's get something we both have. Okay. The PS2 DualShock 2. Ah, uh, dude, this controller, man. This is going to get interesting cuz uh when it comes to the uh PS1, PS2 and PS3 controllers, they have very similar lay- they very similar yeah. identical layouts, very I don't want to say few differences because they're fairly unique differences between all these controllers. I think, I think but, we should go ahead and judge this one and explain why when we get to another one, if you know what I mean. Yes. Okay, so the DualShock 2, the P- PlayStation 2 controller, uh has a D-pad uh, two analog sticks has an analog button, so you can actually disable the analog sticks. That uh, was mostly for PS1 games, because uh, certain PS1 games would not function with the analog sticks enabled. So because PS2 was backwards compatible, uh, right. has face buttons, X square, triangle, circle, and two shoulder buttons on each side. You got L1, L2, R1, and R2, and had the the big thing. It's got rumble built in. I should point out all these controllers that we've talked about so far has rumble built in, but it was yeah. the DualShock for a reason. It was. This is a solid, weighty controller. Yeah, it felt like a good piece of hardware. Oh, absolutely. The but the D pad feels great. The analog sticks, uh, before they wore away, I think felt great. The shoulder buttons, they were pretty mushy. Yeah, but I mean, also like at the time, they were still, I guess, kind of experimenting with that because you know how Xbox always had the triggers. Yeah. The so this was in the era where Sony was doing the digital. Uh, shoulder buttons when both the xbox and the gamecube had analog triggers right it made playing racing games on it awkward so the way they got around that though and this was the the i don't i don't want to call this a defining feature because i think this is the thing that holds this controller back are the face buttons are pressure sensitive uh certain games that took advantage of that could tell how hard you're pressing down the face buttons this was most prominent in racing games like gran turismo uh, where you had analog gas and brake, uh, depending on how hard you pressed, which is an innovative feature for a face button, right. I think. I, th- I think yeah. that's neat. Problem with doing analog face buttons is that they don't feel very good to press after a while. Uh, eventually, they get worn out. They get worn out hella big time. Also, having to like f- focus on holding down a button as hard as you can really sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not, not it's not, not fun to like hammer down an, uh, a button to make sure I mean, like, you okay, got putting man hands, force on it. Yeah, like if you got grown man hands and like adult strength and like it's not that big of a deal. But like if you're a child, that's not going to be easy for you. <laughs> no, it, it like really stresses out your thumb and your hand after a while. And yeah. The fact that you're constantly doing this for certain games, it made the rest of the controller suffer, I think, for 
for me personally. Like, yeah. I, I specifically think of like playing Tony Hawk Three on this controller because we had I had the PS2, we had Gran Turismo Three, Tony Hawk Three, and the way we we had to like hammer down that gas pedal button to make the make the car go. Uh, when you're playing Tony Hawk, you're holding down the X button to like pre up your jump. Cause, right. Yeah. Because I mean, that's also like your main mode of transportation is like preing up your ollie. So and also your character's just moving around faster. Letting off the button even the slightest bit, even though you think you're holding it down, your character will still jump because of reasons. <laughs> it's the same problem I ended up having with the Dreamcast controller after a while, but it, that's a, that's for another category. <laughs> that's for the Dreamcast controller. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that aside, not many games use the pressure-sensitive buttons, fortunately. The controller is a very solid controller. It does feel pretty good at the, in the, at the end of the day. Uh, great for fighting games that are four buttons. Right. That D-pad, that D-pad is stellar. Yeah. 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 The PlayStation, the PlayStation D-pads are excellent. Some of the best. Um, I have not, ha- I've not held a PlayStation five controller, so we will not be rating that today. Yeah. I, or you haven't either. So yeah, no, neither, neither one of us, have neither of us have any experience with a P- PlayStation five controller. So no rating that. Yeah. That'd be foolish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, PS2 D-pad feels excellent. Um, everything yeah. else about this controller, I think, is great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I would put this in the great category. It's the classic. It's it's a PS2 DualShock Two is a classic. <laughs> uh, next up, we have ooh the Super Nintendo controller. Oh boy! Hey, look, look, look! Okay. Yo, this controller, bro. This controller. I, I I'm gonna be biased though. Okay, no, let's hear it. Okay, well, all right, bro. So I remember. Getting my first copy of Yoshi's Yoshi's Island, bro. I'm sitting down playing it. I don't even know I got a controller in my hand. All I know is that I'm immersed in the game itself, mm-hmm. dude. This controller is so simple. Like, look at like, yes, it's just got it's got like five buttons that are like playable buttons. It's got so, the D pad, which is a giant button and four giant button. four way button. You would say. Yeah. Yeah. Here, let's go over the layout. So it's a a, a very basic design nowadays, yeah. but like it's got these rounded edges, so like it wasn't piercing into your hand when you're holding it for long sessions. Yeah, it's got D pads, got a start and select button, uh, four face buttons. This was right. the innovation it brought to the table. Four face buttons. It's the first controller to really do it in this triangle or like this a uh, diamond pattern that has become a, a standard. Also, another innovation brings to the table: shoulder buttons. This has an L and an R buttons. shoulder buttons. This has very important. Yes, very important. This has a total of six uh, usable buttons during gameplay and a start and select button for a total of eight buttons and a D pad. This was this was a no. lot of this was a lot of controller for the time. Right, no analog. You know why? We didn't need it. We was playing platformers. Didn't need it. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Rayman. But then, like the, the A and B buttons were convex. And the X and right, Y buttons yeah. were concave, and right. so that that was specifically for the American version of the system. I want to say the oh. Jap- I want to say the Super Famicom and the Jap or the European Super Nintendo had all concave or convex okay. buttons. Um, personally, I think the uh, the concave buttons on X and Y uh, a good choice. Personally, let's talk about the weight. The weight. Ooh, this is a very light controller, but damn, did it just like nail it. Felt like a good piece of hardware. Yeah, and like it's something still about fe- the NES felt cheap. I, I I would agree with that, except for like I don't know the coloring of the plastic or whatever. I like the way the Super Famicom looked, but that's beside the point. I yeah. think the controller itself, I think, is uh, was a great match for the hardware. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It didn't feel cheap, despite how light it felt. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, by today's standards, if you held it, maybe you might have that opinion, but you got to put yourself back in the time when it came out. Hell, I'd say like the Super, the SNES Classic, the Mini that came out a few mm-hmm. years ago, that had like a re, like a redone version of the SNES Pad, which was more or less just an identical recreation of the original Super right. Nintendo controller. That thing felt great. It still feels great to hold. Yeah. And Don't yet, they keep recreating this controller yeah, when they make like, new like Nintendo consoles? Uh. So, I didn't they make one for either the Wii or Wii U. So we'll we'll get to that. I I don't okay. want to say that they made it. Like there's a bunch of third parties that like made okay. knockoff okay. SNES pads that would work on newer hardware. But for the Nintendo Switch, Nintendo did reissue brand new wireless Bluetooth SNES controllers. Oh um, wow! Okay. I I can't say to the quality of those, but they're always sold out. <laughs> there's like officially nintendo made wireless bluetooth snes controllers for the switch and you can you can't even get one right that's now. very telling and i mean also going off of just how good it felt with the snes classic edition like this controller like from the feel of the buttons like the cl- the snappiness of the d-pad the the feel of the triggers i think the triggers feel great on this thing yeah they feel amazing yeah very and, snappy yeah the the way the d-pad feels the way the buttons are laid out and the fact that it introduces right and left triggers, I'd put this controller as setting a standard. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. be Sets the standard for controllers. Very incredibly innovative. Has a layout that was expanded upon for future controllers, and we still see it to this day. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up, on the opposite end of the Nintendo spectrum, the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons. Joy-Cons, yo. (laughs) Joy-Cons. Yo, I I like these things, bro. I kind of (laughs) don't. I under, no, I understand why. Like, it doesn't. The problem with them is that they come with the console and they don't work for every game. They, I, I would say they don't work. Period for some people, but yeah, go off. I mean, if you're playing Pokemon, what you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you it, don't it, need you don't need that some crazy controller movement. I'd say these controllers definitely get the job done, but fortunately, there's the Pro controller, um, right? Which I guess will the Pro controller doesn't come with the with the Switch as standard. So uh, we won't be rating that today. Though I do think the Pro Controller is the way better option for playing a Switch game. Right, personally. yeah. The idea behind the Joy-Cons, I think, is very neat. I mean, and given the form factor they're going for, I think that's the, really the best that they could do with like how the sticks feel, how the buttons are, how the triggers are, and also just yeah, the like, size of it. It doesn't feel cheap or anything like that. It's just, yeah, it feels it, a it, little... It doesn't. It does not feel cheap. But for somehow, like, the way that it, like, connects to the Switch on the rail... Like, the rail system kind of feels cheap. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Though, so, like, the little clickiness it does whenever, like, snaps onto the Switch feel, does feel pretty satisfying. Yeah. And the noise it makes. Yeah, the, the little, <laughs> like, yeah, the little, like, the actual system sound it makes when it knows a like, Joy-Con's connected. Yeah. Also, the system's, like, really smart with how it, like, displays Joy-Cons. Like, it knows what color they are. It knows... Right. Like, yeah, like, that's kind of stuff. I think that's really neat. Um, like, I mean, they're also aesthetically pleasing. They are. Like, very aesthetically pleasing. And also, like, they're hard to replicate for, like, third parties. You don't really see very many third-party Joy-Cons. And the ones that do show up are, like, really cheap knockoffs that don't have all the features. Right. Like, they don't have, like, snapping onto the console and charging. Like, you still have to plug them in through a cable to charge them. Like, stuff like that. I mean, that's how I remember when the third-party Joy-Cons started coming out. You you really don't see them very often. I'd say they basically just took the, uh, like, a DS, like, buttons and just slapped it onto their console. More or less. 
that's kind of how the joy cons are granted it does give you very many options of how to play the system you could play the joy cons attached to the system in a handheld configuration uh you can attach wrist straps to them and swing them around like a wii sports tennis racket you can hold each one of them sideways to uh have like play like little two-player games which i i thought that was an incredibly nifty feature i really liked that idea in practice playing a game like that uh sucks ass right yeah Yeah. racing games are a no-go fighting games are a no-go you can't play smash brothers with this thing and that's the main game people get to get nintendo consoles for yeah Uh, (laughs) this thing is good at playing most things when it's working but most people who are really into playing nintendo switch games are playing with a pro controller and these are the extra controllers that you have to give to your friends whenever they come over or playing in handheld mode Uh, i would not recommend playing joy cons when your switch is docked Hell no. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's got two analog sticks. It's got a set of face buttons. It doesn't have a D-pad. Instead, it has like on the left on the left side of Joy-Cons, it has like face buttons that are like formatted like they it's supposed to be a D-pad, but they're just straight up buttons. They're face buttons yeah. on your left Joy-Con, which actually does work better than you would expect playing stuff like puzzle games like i would play like puyo puyo tetris with this thing all the time when it came out and yeah. like i was surprised that it felt pretty good to play on it it's got two triggers a left and right trigger and uh two bumpers does not have any analog trigger inputs which is a real bummer especially nowadays i think that that's a, a crying shame not even the pro controller has analog triggers that being said they were going for a very slim form factor I think they nailed the the premium feel of the controllers for how small they are, yeah. but they just don't feel that great to play on. But they're not the yeah. worst thing ever. Yeah, I mean, luckily Nintendo saw that comment. Yeah, you know, like you're saying with the pro. So, but yeah, yeah, you say you think impassable. Yeah, the, the the you play with the Switch Pro, you play with the Switch Joy Cons until you get a pro controller, which we're not. <laughs> which again, we're not going to talk about the pro controller because it's not. A standard right. built-in thing, but if it but were, if we were, I'd, I'd put it. If we if we were talking about it, I put it as a great controller. Yeah, we're not talking about it, but if we were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. That's a uh, seven controllers down. Next up, the Sega Genesis controller, the original one, the the three button one. Are you familiar with playing with this controller at all? Um, a little bit, a little bit. I I have. I Yep. I played with it for a little bit. My uncle had like a lot of Sega consoles. He had the Genesis and he had the Saturn. Um, and he had a Dreamcast. Yeah, he had all of them. So yeah. I played the Dream. I played with the Dreamcast though, mostly. So yeah, the the standard Genesis controller. Uh, down the road, it did have a six button configuration that did feel better. But we're talking about the three button one. Uh, had a circular D pad with like little divots in it. So like a, a base, like a D pad you would see nowadays, I guess. And then three face buttons, A, B, and C, and a start button. Had no triggers or anything, just three face buttons and a start button and a D-pad. And it had, like, this weird, like, circular shape to it. I don't want to call it a boomerang because it's not that. It, well, how, how would you describe the shape of it? It's it, it, it's very peculiar. You basically got a GameCube controller, but you don't got the bottom parts. Okay, you yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I can kind of see that a little bit. A bit more girthy on the edges, but yeah. yeah. It's a fat boy, yeah. It's like think about the size, like the the size of an Xbox controller, but like the shape of what I just described with the GameCube controller. Yeah, I have a Genesis. Uh, I was collecting for it for a while. 
and I've come across very many of these original three button pads and none of them are the same. They all are, they all feel different. The face buttons more or less feel the same across all of them, but the D pads all feel different. Um, Hmm. I have one in particular where the D pad feels super good. Uh, the best I can describe it, I would describe it as like a, like a Saturn D pad or, uh, if, if anyone out there has played on a Sega Nomad, it feels kind of like that, but it's a regular Sega Genesis controller, like not modded. It's just how this D pad feels. And then I have other ones that are like more in line with how the Genesis D pad feels. Um, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> so I don't know what this weird Genesis fluke controller I have where it has an, an incredible D pad. Uh, all the other ones, D pads I have feel very stiff. Like it, the tactileness of it just doesn't feel that great. It's not a great controller, personally. I mean, it it, get, like it gets by, it gets you by. Yeah, I don't like controllers that have the uh, the analogs. I mean, not the analogs, the uh, the D pads that are kind of like linked together. It, like how it's not like in a circle formation like that. Yeah, it gets the job done. I wouldn't yeah, call it, it bad. I, I don't think it's a bad controller. Yeah, I mean. Listen, guys, we got some bad controllers on this list. That's not one of them. We'll tell you which ones it is. Yeah, but yeah. I th- I think the Genesis controller is passable. It, it's not you. There's definitely worse controllers you could play with. For sure. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. You so, could be playing with the uh, the Joy Cons. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's uh, eight controllers. Uh, what do you say? You take a little break. Sounds good. with more controllers let's get into it. i already know let's get into it all right the nintendo 64 controller the greatest controller ever made easily for, for people with three arms you might need four for that z button but <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's get down to it the n64 controller is a fucking weird looking thing for a standard yeah. controller warped definitely one of the most unique controllers on this list oh absolutely i would say it's the most unique controller you know what never mind it's not the most unique controller on this list we'll get to yeah. that one there's one that's a little bit more unique but yeah. yeah nc4 has a weird layout it's got a d-pad on the, it's, it's a three-pronged controller you know how the controllers have like two prongs on it you know like where your hands are where you where, you, where, you, where your palms sit it's got those <laughs> prongs we're gonna call those prongs this controller's got three prongs it's got three arms the leftmost is where your, your d-pad and your l button is your right one is where your six face buttons are. You got an A button, a B button, then four yellow C buttons, kind of in like a D-pad configuration, but they're still straight up buttons. But the way they're laid out, it's a six, that's six face buttons. And that's also where your right trigger is on that right side. And then the middle prong, the middle arm, which is what this, which is the biggest innovation that this controller brings. And that's an analog stick. This an analog now, this was not the first controller to bring analog control as standard, but it was among the first to do it correctly, you know? 
I'm talking about like there's like the Atari 5200 controller, but that was kind of weird and wonky. This is the one that never- you could argue it did it reliably. You know what? Yeah, it did it reliably. It it this it analog controller worked. did work. It worked. Yeah. 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 With no fail, no fail, it worked. Yeah. And then it's also got a, a Z button, a Z trigger on the bottom of the middle prong. It's got a start button. And then it's also got like a little expansion slot at the back of the controller for you to fit like a memory card or the Nintendo 64 Rumble Pack. This was the first controller to really try out Rumble. Right. This wasn't like a built-in feature that has now become standard, but it was one of the first to really add Rumble to games. And boy, did that thing work. I, even for games that don't have Rumble, like Mario 64 or Wave Race, in America at least, I still have that thing plugged in. I love the weight that gave it's a weird lopsided weight but it just feels really good the amount of weight that that thing brought to this controller now we've, we've talked about the n64 in the past we've talked about it on our last episode right you're you're, you're a big fan of the 64 Let's I talk think. about that transfer pack that transfer pack yeah it, it, it adds it adds game boy connectivity to your n64 Ever. controller easy very easy. never before <laughs> never before done <laughs> definitely not done by another console on this list absolutely not i like that see here here's the thing right mm-hmm. i like the console don't like the controller see here's how i feel about it don't like the console don't like the controller uh yeah i know i know i i mean i, I grew up playing the n64 i grew up playing on this controller i had a blast playing the n64 when i was a kid but I just don't really enjoy playing those games on this controller as an adult, if that makes sense. Like I Yeah. It's not I the fact agree. that it's not the fact that they aged poorly. It's just I don't know. I just I don't like the N sixty four as much as it did as a kid. The later games that each of these franchises of the sixty four had later on, I just think were better. Mario Kart sixty four is among the worst Mario Karts, in my opinion, or so, and stuff like that. The best thing the N sixty four was good for was Midway Arcade Ports and Star Fox sixty four. And Waver 64 and Mario 64. Right. That's about it for me personally. Yeah, dude, this it, thing's an eyesore. It really is. You know what isn't an eyesore, though? What's that? The fucking amount of colors this thing had, dude. Oh, yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, this br- this brought to the forefront the amount of variations in controller colors. And, like, you had that clear, translucent plastic that was all the rage. Yeah. You had the solid is this the colors. first controller to do that? I don't want to say it is, but it, I think it was the yeah. first one that made it, like, Omega popular. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, with the Donkey Kong 64, you had that green one. Yeah, the jungle green. green, the green they, yeah. they, they had, like, so many different colors of the system and uh, controller colors to go along with them. But uh, aside from the translucent ones, they had, like, a bunch of solid colored controllers. Like, they got, like, green, blue uh, yellow stuff like that when we got our 64 for christmas uh we got ours from toys r us and it had a limited edition gold controller yeah we got, we we got a fucking gold controller uh not a gold console See, just a regular ass console but we had a gold controller we had a gray controller a blue and a green controller for all of us to play together See, here's the thing nintendo knew they made a bad controller but what is nintendo great at marketing oh boy and so they knew it didn't matter how bad the controller was if they just slapped some pretty colors on it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. At least I think you're right. I mean, yeah. yeah. It uh, sold well, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, the N64 was like the start of a steady decline for Nintendo systems until the Wii. Okay. And SNES sold worse than NES, then the 64 sold worse, then the GameCube sold worse, you know. 
very but interesting. Nintendo, Nintendo was trying different stuff with their controllers. You could look at a controller yeah, and yeah. immediately tell, oh, that's a Nintendo controller. Right, yeah. Because yeah. if you look at the 64 controller, like the base one, it's gray, but the buttons are super colorful. Yeah. Like they, they like really, they pop. They really stand out. You can say the same for like the Xbox or the Xbox 360 controller that had like the standard red, green, blue, yellow colors for its buttons. But it only came in black. Uh, 360 had like white controllers and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. The 360, the 360 had more than just white, right? Like, oh yeah, because it had that gold one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, The original Xbox only had black for its stand. Well, no, nah, it had it had the translucent colors. I remember having a translucent green controller S. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it was very nice. That's cool. But that's beside the point. N64 controller it came sucks. in colors. It and, and it doesn't feel great anymore. It doesn't feel good. And the analog stick feels like it's gonna break at any and, point in time. And it that's works. the main problem with it. This analog stick, while incredibly innovative, was very finicky. It was even though like, it works. It works, but like this thing was not built to last. Yeah, you, you it wasn't built for long hours. No, it wasn't built for Mario Party. <laughs> yeah, especially that original at one. all. Like it wasn't you, built for Smash Bros. either. Yeah, and like if you like spun this controller's joystick so many times, like you're gonna dig. In, like I don't know how to describe the innards of a th- of a N64 controller or the the joystick itself. I've so, yeah, like, I think I can explain this. So the controller had a little bit of like felt on it, like a little bit of plastic, so you know you didn't hurt your hand while you're doing stuff with it. But that didn't last for very long, and once it did it. What you revealed was this really sharp circular piece in the shape of the plastic that was surrounding it. And it would dig into your hands like David was saying. And it just made it the controller virtually unplayable for games like uh, Mario Party. Yeah, like if you put your palm on the joystick and spun it, which they did not advocate you doing, but that's the best way to play those games. You just get blisters on your hands. Uh, Granted, this was like the only game that really did that, but it it became synonymous with the N64 controller for like even today. Like we're talking about it. Like it's a big thing because it was a yeah. big deal. Yeah, it was like Nintendo gave out like in a lawsuit, Nintendo gave out gloves for players who requested them specifically to play Mario party. Yeah. They didn't learn to, their to protect lesson your hands. Their yeah. And the later Mario parties didn't have any games that like required any use of the, of your hand and the joystick doing that. Yeah. But just after continued use, just by playing N64 games with his controller, with his joystick, it would just, like, wear out over time. The best way I could describe, like, taking apart these joysticks, like, when I worked in used retail, like, I replaced so many joysticks because they would just, like, kind of feel, like, limp. You know, like, you would, like, tilt your N64 controller, the joystick would just kind of, like, wave back and forth because it could not recenter properly. Because the way that the controller actually, like, stays upright, there's, like, this little bowl on the inside of the stick that's like helping it stand up. And as you move the joystick around, it's like gr- literally grinding away at this bowl that is more or less keeping this stick upright. And once you've grind that away, that joystick is more or less done. You have to go out of your way and open up your N64 controller and straight up just replace that entire joystick module in there, which also yeah. was a real pain in the ass. Yeah, you have to, do. to buy a new one. You might as well just buy a new one. Also, like, third-party joysticks, they just cannot match the amount of analog precision that Nintendo got right with this controller when it was working. And, like, third-party N64 controllers, like, nowadays, for, like, analog yeah. stick replacements, they all feel like shit. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah, this controller just does not hold up, does not stand the test of time at all, in my opinion. Hella innovative. 
with that like just having the analog joystick as standard part of the console it was a major part for developing games for the system was the analog joystick but man playing with this controller just fucking sucks <laughs> yeah it's not a good controller it's a bad controller Ooh, we're gonna have fun with this one nintendo gamecube <laughs> okay all right nintendo gamecube controller Get into how much Nintendo did right. I love the GameCube controller. So after creating an atrocity, uh, like arguably the one of the worst controllers. controllers, arguably this, but most people agree they made a controller that seemingly fixed every single problem the previous one had. You know, what this controller, for all we know, could have not even been good, but because it fixed all the problems the previous one had, we just were so happy to have it. Yeah, this big, one... nice, juicy joystick analog stick the, two, analog the sticks. two analog sticks yeah i'll let you go over the layout real quick all right so gamecube layout you know we're, we're kind of getting to like like the standard controller layout that we see nowadays it's got two analog sticks um these analog sticks are very different from one another uh the left analog stick is more like your traditional like analog stick the right analog stick is your c stick it didn't have like a real good grip on it it was mostly meant for like camera controls uh, and it was yellow. Right. The left hand looks like it was gray. And, like, the tops of them were very different. Um, not ideal for, like, first-person shooters, it's, I guess is a good example. But also, yeah. these sticks, by standard, the plastic surrounding it created an eight-way octagonal gate. Like, most analog sticks for, like, Xbox and PlayStation had of, like, the analog sticks were, like, in a circular housing. But the GameCube controller had, like, eight-way gates octagonal design to where like you had like eight divots as you're like circling this controller around if that makes sense and that was on yeah. both, both the regular analog stick and the yellow c stick uh it had it had a d-pad on the left side a very tiny d-pad it didn't feel particularly great not many games used it it was mostly for like menu navigation if anything or taunts and smash brothers yeah and then it had <laughs> four face buttons in a very bizarre looking layout it had a start but it felt oh, right though we'll get to that uh, it has a start <laughs> button and three shoulder buttons. It had two like analog triggers that were also buttons. They had like an analog press to them, but if you press them all the way down, you had like a button press at the end of each trigger. Nice little click. A nice little, uh, uh, less of a click, more like a little, like a good tactile bump. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, I get what you're it's the best way to describe it. But those triggers were fully analog. And then on the right side, you had a little little blue Z button, and the left side didn't have one. It was very weird. It was a very uh, asymmetrical design for the triggers. Yeah. And it had built-in rumble. The big thing about this controller, though, those face buttons, it didn't have a traditional face button, like tri like a diamond layout. It had an A button, a big green A button in the middle. Right. And then surrounding that on the left, top, and right were the other buttons. On the left, you had like a small circular red B button. On the top and right side, you had Y on the top and X on the right and like weird bean shape buttons that are both white. Yeah. And they pretty much built a controller specifically to play Super Smash Brothers. Literally, yeah. <laughs> like looking back on it now, this controller was made specifically to play this game at a high competitive level. <laughs> Because no, no other controller can really play that game correctly. Yeah, seriously, yeah. That, this, this controller, they keep remaking it. They're just like, oh, well, you know, you need your Smash Brothers controller for the Switch, so we'll make some wireless ones. 
Like, they just keep making these controllers. Yeah. People, For Smash Brothers, specifically. Yeah. People look back... Some people look back on the game controller as, like, a failed experiment. Uh, and it's and crazy people who like Smash Brothers will look back fondly on this controller as, like... It's like the Smash... It's like the fight stick for the Smash community is the game right, controller. Right, yeah. More or less. Exactly. I think the, the, <laughs> the button layout makes so much sense, though, to me. Yeah, personally. it does. I agree. I mean, when you look at the games that probably sold well for it, like um, Wind Waker, Mar- Super Mario Sunshine, if you play those games with this controller, none of them feel weird. Yeah. And I mean, Nintendo has always been a, con- a console that wants to market their exclusives extremely well. So they always make their games play really well. Now, I don't know about playing Soul Calibur on this. That, I, was about, I was literally going to bring up Soul Calibur 2. Um, yeah. I think Soul Calibur 2 on this controller feels great personally i don't remember having any bad times with it it's just it's been so long i can't remember how i felt about it or how i would feel about it now i because i never played soul Calibur 2 on the other consoles but also because i played so much smash brothers i guess this this controller was like second nature to me and so any game i played on it felt natural <laughs> yeah you kind of just grew uh, used to this bizarre layout i didn't even when i was a kid playing with this controller i didn't even question it you know yeah what I mean? seriously like it just felt right that button layout yeah. and it's almost iconic actually it, it's incredibly iconic just the, yeah. like the shape of the controller itself the button layout the way that like the d-pad and the c-stick kind of like jut out from those sides because like there's like the weird middle part that's like exposed not exposed but like there's like the little air gap between yeah. the d-pad the c-stick and the start button like it's it's got a very iconic shape like you could pull yeah. that out of the silhouette and know exactly what you're looking at can we just uh i know this isn't about the games but mm-hmm. I feel like this game is important. Let's talk about Double Dash. Double Dash feel Mario Kart on this controller feels so fucking good. The like yeah. hitting the hitting the triggers for the drifting. The, what made this controller work so well, especially for racing games, surprisingly, uh, so you're using the A button for gas, but then like, yeah. you have like <laughs> yeah. you have like your alternate functions of like the Y button, which is sitting right above the A button. So like you you got your one thumb sitting comfortably on two different buttons so like you're holding down a for gas you're tapping the y button directly above it without letting go of the a button to use your items f0 gx your y button is your boost so you never have to let go of the a button it was a very smartly designed face button layout yeah and they I mean, knew they knew they had to work with what they had so they just made it they just made it work yeah it, it, it's a brilliant design personally and even like, like going back to smash brothers like I, I don't use tap up to jump on this on the joystick. I hit the Y button to jump. Right, yeah. And it that just feels so natural. Like you cannot get that button feel with any other controller when playing right. that game. I forgot what it was called, but um you know how most some controllers like they have I think it's pressure sensors, right? Yeah, like this controller sensitive. didn't have those, right? It, it did not. So all you had to do to do a short a shorter jump in Smash was hit the button really fast. Yeah, it's just incredibly quick input i mean like yeah all all the controllers have that but like the way that like the the layout just like made that just such a a breeze you know yeah and then the triggers while they were analog um i the controllers didn't feel good with anything but nintendo games that took it that made them a priority if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah 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 i agree an example is um midway arcade treasures 3 it is a compilation of old midway arcade games 
particularly racing games. It has like the San Francisco Rush games on them. Those games have analog gas and brake. Despite okay. the GameCube having analog triggers, it did not detect the fact that you had analog triggers. You had to hold the trigger all the way down to where you get the tactile bump, and that was your gas and brake. Oh, oh. Even though you had to press down the triggers to use gas and brake, it did not detect analog at all. It just They just didn't design it that way. Yeah, that's just a flaw from them. Yeah. And then there's games like I played a lot of Simpsons Hit and Run when I was a kid. Uh, that took okay. advantage of the controller uh, for the analog triggers for gas and brake, but it just didn't feel great. Okay, I get that. Yeah, it didn't feel good. As a whole, I think this controller's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great controller. Great controller. Rumble right in the center of the controller. Like, it dispersed, like, adequately throughout the rest of your hand. I think the rumble in this thing feels great. The fucking Wavebird, dude. Nintendo made a wireless controller that with zero compromises to the form factor of and like face button layout of the original controller. It lacked rumble, but like it was wireless. Like I think that was a pretty good concession to make. But a first party wireless controller that felt as good, if not, okay, maybe not better, but you know what I mean? Like it, it was absolutely on par with its wired counterpart, which was unheard of at the time. Right. And Nintendo was the first to really do that. And it did it with the GameCube controller. This controller is fucking fantastic. Amazing. It's an amazing controller. That being said, it doesn't set the standard. It for set the standard. It's its yeah. own thing. It's, one it's of a, a fantastic, it's one of a kind. It it's a great it controller. <laughs> it sets the but standard for the GameCube. Anything else. Yeah, it sets the standard for GameCube. It sets the standard for itself and nothing else. Nothing else. All right. Next up. The original PlayStation controller. Not the DualShock 1, the original PlayStation controller. No analog sticks. Going back to the DualShock 2, we got a very similar layout. Just get rid of the analog sticks. And the left and right prongs are a bit more elongated than on the DualShock. Some people may notice that, some people don't, but I just like to point that out. The prongs are a little bit longer on this thing. Uh, As a base controller for a first-time Sony console, this controller feels great. The D-pad yeah, no, feels good. Face buttons sure. feel great. Um, yeah. This is going to be a trend for all the PlayStation consoles. These controllers yeah. just, in general, feel great. Yeah. And there's a reason why every, a lot of people, pretty much everybody had a PlayStation console in their life. Besides me, because I suck. But we're not going to talk about that. I, I didn't really... <laughs> I, my, older brother had a, my oldest brother had a PS2, but I didn't really play it a whole lot because I was busy playing the better controller with the GameCube. There we go. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> But damn, does the, does the PlayStation controller just feel great for fighting games, though? Just that D-pad. That D-pad is so good. Yeah. It's not the best D-pad. Well, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Right, yeah. But it's a fantastic D-pad. And this has so many like similarities with the DualShock. The DualShock pretty much adds Rumble and the two analog sticks. I would, I would put these in the exact same category with each other. Might as well. DualShock and PS1 controller. I think they're both great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're great. PS1 controllers, DualShock and the original are both great. Next up, the NES controller. It's so cute. It's a fucking adorable controller. And it's got a really cool like design to it. I mean, yeah, it's just a, like a little, little rectangle, but like the It's so little, retro looking. The bro. artistic like design on it, I think is it's timeless. Dude, this controller, man. It's got a great D-pad. Buttons feel good. Boxy design. <laughs> Not really too much to say about it, I guess. There you know, really it has a lot going, but yeah, like especially I mean, coming from like all these other controllers that have like so many face buttons. Especially we've already talked about the SNES controller. Yeah, NES just doesn't have a whole lot to add, other than the fact that 
it was the first to make the D-pad the standard, and damn, does it have a good D-pad. Even to this day, this D-pad feels immaculate. Yeah, the face really buttons does. feel great too. We don't. I don't think we have to say too much about it, how this controller just feels, like the, how the buttons feel, the D-pad feels. This just sets a standard, like yeah, for okay. button feel. Like it doesn't have very many frills, like all these other controllers do. But like these other controllers wouldn't feel as good if it weren't for the NES yeah. controller feeling as good as it does. Because it's older than all of them. Yeah, and it just nails it the first try. Right. Yeah. yeah there's not much else to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right next up xbox 360 okay this okay. might be the best modern controller ever made ever made yeah i agree yeah it's... it does so much right and the little thing and the things it gets wrong are completely overshadowed by everything it does right <laughs> yeah yeah it, it really doesn't have many problems the d-pad doesn't feel great at all which <laughs> which but, I know this isn't about aftermarket controllers, mm-hmm. but the Elite fixed that. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, they, they did fix the D-pad with like that weird rotating uh, D-pad, which I remember having one of those, and it does feel really good. I, I personally really like how that felt. It was premium. It, it felt super premium. But you know, the 360 has two analog sticks, one on the left, one on the right. It's got a D-pad on the left, uh, a traditional face button layout, ABXY, so this is after the original Xbox, obviously. Uh, right. It took a few cues from Sony with how they do their shoulder buttons, where Sony controllers have two shoulder buttons on each side, L1, R1, L2, R2. And the original Xbox only had the left and right triggers. The 360 right. has left and right triggers and brought in the bumpers. The bumpers. The, the left and right bumpers. They had like, which were like made up from a, little micro switches in there so they felt really good to press and click they had a little nice little clickiness to it but the big thing with the 360 controller for me personally were those analog triggers they felt incredible these are the best dude of its time these are the best analog triggers there that were that were out 100 percent. you you were not playing shooting games on the play on the playstation that's just how it was you weren't doing it <laughs> i i you got Call of Duty, you got it on the xbox yeah like i I, I don't want to say shudder to think, but I almost wonder like how much, how popular would have Call of Duty have been if it wasn't for how good the triggers on the 360 controller were. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It wouldn't have been as popular. It couldn't it, have been. Like, obviously, it's all popularity on the PS3 with yeah. its uh, not as good uh, shoulder and trigger buttons because Call of Duty was just a phenomenal game for its time. And it's still pretty popular. Not only, it's not only popular. the mission, but that during the MLG days, they used Xbox controllers. Yes. That had scuff attachments to make your controllers even better. So, I mean, yeah, there's no competition. There's like, there's, there's yeah. no competition. Like, when you have an immaculate, perfect condition Xbox 360 controller in your hand, those analog sticks felt nice and crisp. They, like, snappy. Like, the resistance on them was, like, perfectly tuned. D-pad, whatever. The face buttons felt great they felt tactile they felt nice even the start and select button or the start and the back buttons like they felt good to press when you had to press yeah. them. it had these little bumps to them yeah this little bump feeling it was like it was basically like pressing down one of the face buttons yeah and then you had that little mini xbox logo in the middle as a button yeah it lit up because this controller as the standard was wireless and that Wireless. button could be used to turn on your console. 
introduce his didn't his and controller that, and that was the, fucking huge the charging pack charge pack i mean they had wired variants of this controller and nowadays you'd want to go wired because this is the perfect controller for your pc like, right like okay well let's finish up talking about wireless this was a wireless controller this was the first console to have wireless controllers as the standard mainstream console the first mainstream video game console to have wireless controllers as a standard and it fucking nails it xbox knew they couldn't miss they knew they 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 could not they they just could not fuck it up this time. I mean, granted, yeah. with the Xbox, I don't think they fucked it up. Yeah, I, think I don't they, think. Yeah. I think that was a good freshman effort. For the I just saw Xbox, what happened to Sega sure. a few years before the Xbox, and they were like, "Oh boy, I don't want this to happen to me." Yeah, they saw how good the PS2 <laughs> did, and Microsoft saw like, "We we need to beat them to the yeah. beat them to the punch this time." In terms of like getting it out there first, having a better software lineup, having a cheaper price. Right. They were already a generation behind, so... Like, Microsoft fucking nailed it with the 360. I mean, Red Ring of Death was a big... was a a huge deal, much in the same way that, like, Joy-Con Drift on the Joy-Cons is now. But, like, in terms of, like, building a solid console with a great interface and a fantastic controller, like, the 360 fucking nailed it. However, they fixed the Red Ring of Death. They did. They had the the newer versions of the 360 kind of, like made that problem not as prevalent. It still had some it still had fatal error problems like yeah. all consoles eventually do. It, it wasn't as prevalent with the later models. That's the GameCube. But we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Console never breaks. <laughs> but but think about it. Like they still make wired 360 controllers, right? Like I mean yeah. not Microsoft but like you, the moldings are out there. People are making wired 360 controllers. Wired 360 controllers are still in high demand for using it on a PC because this controller set the standard. Set the standard. It set the standard. You can look at the Xbox One controller all day and it's more or less a cop not not necessarily a copy of what the Xbox 360 did, but like, you know, not a whole lot changed with the Xbox One, but we'll get to that. The 360 set the standard. Every controller since then has tried to mimic everything that that 360 controller has done in terms of like button feel, analog trigger feel, bumpers, those joysticks. It makes you. It's a wonder why you plug in a 360 controller to a PC and it just fucking works, right? Because Windows is own. Windows is made by Microsoft, and Microsoft made this fucking controller. That's beside the point. They don't need to know that. <laughs> it's just, it's just a phenomenal controller. It feels so good in the hand. Buttons feel great. Triggers feel exceptional. It's set, it's at the standard. Next up, oh, well, might as well round up Xbox. Xbox One. Okay. Uh, yeah, what we cool. what we said about the 360 uh, could more or less be put towards the Xbox One. They didn't. They didn't change much. They didn't change a whole lot. Uh, what they did change, I think, were good improvements. Uh, the D-pad yeah. felt way better. Right. D-pad feels incredible. I'm sorry. What was that? You didn't need to buy a pro version this time. Yeah. I mean, you they, they did have one, but like you know, yeah. that's beside the point. Yeah. I mean, for the deep, for like the the D pad, yeah. Like you didn't like, wow. The that. base D pad had like these micro switches in them, and it felt really good compared to yeah. the 360 controller. The big innovation was again its triggers. It this had like haptic feedback triggers. They had like little rumble in them. The triggers had rumble, individual rumble in each trigger. Not very many games used it. Like you could like shoot a gun, you feel the trigger rumble. But yeah. what made the Xbox One controller so good? were was racing games playing forza with this controller 
feels incredible because you can actually feel when you're losing traction because of the vibration in the triggers. And you would actually like it. Would, you can actually it gives you a better feel for driving your car because of how the triggers vibrate and give you that feedback of like, oh, I'm losing traction. I need to like alter how I'm controlling this. It does a crazy good job with that. Over time, they have made some improvements to this controller to where it is now. When the Xbox One first came out, I really didn't like this controller. Those bumpers felt so bad. I liked it because it made the Xbox 360 controller cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll give you that. Um, The first first edition of of the Xbox One controller where the bumpers were, the hinge for the bumpers was like in the middle of the controller where your index finger would land. And it just felt so bad. It felt really bad to press. And fortunately, Microsoft realized their mistakes. And over time, they have improved this controller tenfold. Um, They fixed the bumpers to where they feel great. They added a headphone jack, so you can use like any headset. And most importantly, they added Bluetooth wireless to the controller. So I could just use this controller wirelessly with my PC using Bluetooth, and it feels great. But another big setback, this thing uses the shittiest micro USB cable port I've ever used on any device known to man. This thing will just not work or shred cables. Every Xbox One controller I've had, the actual cable port is just fat doo-doo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I agree. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this made very good improvements on the 360 controller. That being said, the 360 controller set the standard to make this controller feel great. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, the Sega Dreamcast controller. Now, this controller set the standard in many aspects. Yeah. And none of them are at being a great controller. <laughs> it did a lot of things right, or it did a lot of things correctly, but none of them very greatly, if that makes sense. Actually, so, I don't like the way this controller is shaped. It, it, it's an odd shape. Uh, Set the standard for the Nintendo 64 controller. It's, it's, yeah, it's got an odd shape. <laughs> so, so it looks like a speedboat. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a fucking speedboat. So layout-wise, it looks like a speedboat. Um, it's got a one analog trigger. It's got one analog stick on the left. It's got a very mushy D-pad. It's got a big old triangle start button in the middle. It's got four face buttons and two analog triggers, which also let me point out the analog triggers on this Dreamcast controller, while being in a very odd layout compared to what they are now, like they're a bit lower on the controller than what you would expect on controllers of today. Those analog control, those analog triggers felt really good. Like, on par with like a 360s analog triggers but the 360 just definitely knocked it out of the park right uh so how would you you, you've played a dreamcast before how would you describe your experience with it i mean the buttons felt pretty good the face buttons felt pretty good to me they felt kind of snappy you know i don't know though because it just feels like it wouldn't have fit in my hands very well but i don't know like i played soul caliber on it and it felt good so yeah like, yeah, so I think it was okay, you know? Yeah, I, I had this. I had a Dreamcast as a kid. Uh, for my tiny little hands, I thought it felt pretty good. Uh, going yeah. back, that um, analog joystick does not feel very great. It feels very cheap. It doesn't have, like, any kind of, like, rubber coating on the top. So it was just, like, like a textured plastic. So your thumb would, like, slip off of it very easily nowadays. Uh, the D-pad wasn't a fan of the D-pad. I thought it was, like, way too mushy. The buttons, yeah, they, they got a nice little tactile bump to them. Um, over time, that does go away. 
it feels like like they do feel really mushy like i had that same problem playing like tony hawk games that i did with a ps2 controller where like i'd be holding down the button and like the lightest like bit of like lifting off of that button will make you jump even though i'm still pressing it down you know i kind of had that problem with it right yeah but the big innovation this controller had uh beyond its uh traditional looking layout which became a standard uh was the uh the little memory card holders that were built into the controller this thing had two slots for memory cards and also it had a a, a bit of a rumble pack it had like a i forget the name of it the jumper pack that would like go into the second bottom slot and the top slot is where your vmu would go the vmu also known as the visual memory unit was the primary memory card for the dreamcast the best way to describe it, it looked like a little Tamagotchi thing. It had like a tiny little circular D-pad, had two buttons, and a little LCD screen on it. Very cute. It was very cute. And the Dreamcast had like a little circ- like a little square opening in the middle of the controller itself for you to insert the VMU into the slot, and the, tr- and the screen was facing you on the controller. And the screen was used for a few things during games, in particular for Sonic Adventure... You saw the Sonic Adventure logo and all the characters like go through it. And in other instances, uh, it added some pretty innovative things to games. Like for the NFL 2K games, you can actually use the VMU screen to make to like call your plays. Like the plays would show up on the little VMU screen and that's how you could choose them. So you wouldn't have to look at the, the TV screen if you didn't want to. Or my personal favorite for silent scope on the on the Dreamcast you could actually play the the entire game on the VMU, which was wild. It's not a great way to play that game, but you could but you do it. You could do yeah. it. It more or less prov- like the VMU acted as like your sniper viewfinder, if that makes sense. Like your your sniper yeah, people scope. People might not want to admit it, but this kind of in- inspired the uh, Nintendo Switch, or I'd say more inspired the Wii U. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. I thought the VMU stuff was incredibly smart and innovative and really cool. Um, yeah. This controller did a lot of things like it. This controller like forecasted the future of how controllers are laid out. Yeah. But yeah. It, it didn't nail it in terms of like the button feel, the joystick feel like it definitely set a standard for like controller layouts, but it just, it was missing the fact that it just needed to feel a little better. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call it great. It's not bad. It's passable. This is a passable controller that did a lot of innovative things. Yeah, I agree. Also came in uh, very many colors. I had a green translucent one. I had like a clear one. I think it was just normal color and clear. All right, next up, PS3. We're almost done. We got four controllers left. Actually, you want to take a little break real quick? Let's do a quick yeah. little break. Okay. Yeah. We had gotten the PS3 controller, the DualShock 3, or the 6-axis, depending on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> when this, when the PS3 first came out, um, it was known as the 6-axis controller. 
It did not feature any rumble capabilities. Instead, this controller had motion sensing built into it. Six degrees of freedom, as a matter of fact, which for the very, time, true. very innovative for its time, when you think about it. Yeah. But, I remember um, hearing about that for the first time, but I was playing Grand Theft Auto with my cousin, which I was not supposed to be playing, by the way. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and we would just kind of glide on the street. It was just weird. We never, you know, never done it before. It's cool. Yeah, when uh, so when the controller first came out, it was a six-axis, did had motion sensing built into it, lacked rumble, mainly because Sony was in heavy litigation about its its patent, its infringing of patents for using rumble technology. And at the time, they're like, oh, we don't want to pay royalties for using rumble. That's a last generation feature. And then they make the DualShock Three that has rumble in it. But yeah, DualShock Three. Hey, turns out it has a very similar layout to the last few PlayStation consoles we've talked about. If you could believe it. Though it does have some, other than the fact that it's wireless by default and has motion sensing in it, it has some very interesting changes. It's got the traditional PlayStation controller layout. It's got the D-pad on the left, two analog triggers. Uh, does away with the pressure-sensitive face buttons of the PS2. So it's got tra- traditional X, square, circle, triangle buttons. And then for the shoulder buttons, it's got the L1, R1, like, digital buttons. And finally adds analog triggers to L2 and R2. Uh, granted, uh, these analog triggers uh, were more of a um, this will do for now rather than like an actual solution to having good They're analog like triggers. Weird, right? Sorry? And they have that weird sliding motion. Yeah, it, it, it was. they felt very mushy. I, I was appreciative that they had them, but <laughs> yeah. it, it just... It, never felt and never will feel as good as a 360s uh, yeah. analog trigger ever. This controller was also much lighter. Despite it being wireless, this was a very light controller. And the joysticks, the tension on the joysticks themselves, they didn't feel as tight as the previous controllers, the previous PS2 and uh, DualShock 1 controllers. They felt a bit more loose. That being said, they still felt pretty good. Despite the fact that it has analog triggers and it was wireless, I think the DualShock 1 feels a lot better than this controller. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like this controller that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it did the job fine. The, it, like, it, this was the controller where I feel like they, they knew they had to, like, innovate somewhere. And the innovation would lead them to, like, look, we got to lose this design. It's holding us back. Which I guess we'll get yeah. to. We haven't talked about the PS4 controller yet, so we'll get to that yeah. very soon. It's definitely not a bad controller. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't, I don't want to call it one of the greats. It was a passable yeah, controller, but I feel like that's doing it too, not not, not as much. I don't, I don't think so, though. I think it should have did more. It was competing with the 360. I feel like it should have did more. Yeah, I think you're right. You yeah, know, I think that way. Like the 360 was such a slam fucking dunk, and yeah. Sony just rehashed an old design and tried to retrofit it with new things, and it didn't quite nail it. Yeah. I mean, the, the coolest the, thing is the motion sensor. I mean, that's it. <laughs> nothing really used it. Yeah. Not to the extent that you would want them to. Yeah. For that, the whole thing about it. I mean, it's cool. It's innovative for sure, but. Definitely. The additions they made were much needed additions, but they needed a different controller for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, yeah, the I, analog I, triggers were, were, hey, thank God they're doing it, but it needed a different layout it needed you know what i mean yeah i agree so 
yeah, you're right. I'd put it as a passable controller. That's a good way of putting it. PS3 is a passable controller. Next up. Ooh, all right. This is my bread and butter. Uh-oh. I don't know what this is. This is a, the, the Sega Saturn controller. So okay. the Sega Saturn controller was released in two different models. You got the Model 1 the Model 2. Model 1 came out in North America. This is like the same as the uh, the original Xbox with its Duke controller, you know? The, yeah. The uh, original Saturn controller had like a weird like bowlish look to it, like like a convex kind of like face to it with a weird looking D-pad, face buttons that were just all right, and the two shoulder triggers. So let's get the layout out of the way first. It has, the Sega Saturn controller has a D-pad on the left, a start button in the middle, six face buttons, and like a traditional like, like think of like a Street Fighter cabinet arcade stick layout, like six face buttons, three on top, three on bottom, very basic looking setup, but it perfectly worked. And it has two shoulder buttons. The Model 1 version of this controller, I personally don't like very much. I think the uh, convex feel of the actual control, the whole controller itself was a very, was a detriment to how this controller is supposed to feel in your hand. And the shoulder buttons on the Model 1 controller just felt like shit. So I would put the Model 1 as a passable controller. Mostly, I just want to get it out of the way because we the Model 2, the Model 2 Sega Saturn controller, that was the standard for this Japanese market and then was eventually made as the sta- the default controller for the American market. It's the standard fighting game sticks. This controller has the best D-pad I've ever felt on a controller, period. This yeah. D-pad, it's a circular-looking D-pad, but like with like little divots on it, so you can it's, it's still a D-pad. But the tactileness of pressing those individual directions feels so goddamn good. It had like a tightness to it, but still felt kind of loose to where it's like really easy to like move your thumb around for quick inputs, especially like in fighting games. Yeah. Like it was snappy. Like, it was loose. It was tactile, but also tight feeling at the same time. It was, it's the perfect D pad. It is the perfect yeah. D pad. Like if you, if you have a Hori controller, mm-hmm. I want you to Google this controller and look at how similar they are. And I don't mean a Hori fight stick. I mean a Hori controller. Like a Hori... F- okay, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it this way. And uh, Well, let me talk about the face buttons. Six face okay. buttons on this thing. Six face buttons. The three bottom ones were like your bigger ABC buttons. They're the generally bigger buttons. The top row... Well, the bottom row was like bigger concave buttons. The top row were smaller convex buttons. But they felt fine because your thumb was mostly resting on the bottom row. And the top buttons were like you're pressing it with the tip of your thumbs. It was like the, a GameCube controller situation with the A and the Y button. Very similar, but like in a three-button layout. So like your A, B, C were on the bottom, X, Y, Z were on the top. And then the Model 2 also as well had shoulder triggers. Again, they don't feel great. They use micro switches, but I feel like they weren't very responsive most of the time. But most games didn't really use it outside of like menu navigation and whatnot. And then like there, there's like a few games that used it, but... I don't know. I, I didn't like the triggers as much, but they they were passable. This controller is still being made today. Uh, Sega has licensed this controller out to other companies like Retrobit. They still make brand new SATA controllers that work on original hardware to this day. They make Bluetooth versions of this controller. They make USB versions of this controller. They make 2.4 gigahertz versions of this controller with USB and Saturn input, so you can use this controller wirelessly on an original Saturn. 
Other companies have mimicked this design for fight pads. This and if you look at like a Street Fighter Four Mad Cat's fight controller, not like the arcade stick, but like the fight pad, like you were saying with the, with the Hori pad, it right. blatantly copies the layout of this controller. This is the controller that is standard for fighting games for two D games. Period. This is a two D platformer fighter shooter like a spaceship shooter, like a space, whatever, like a top down or side scrolling shooter. This controller is the standard 2d controller, much in the way that the 360 controller is the standard for 3d games. The Saturn is the standard for 2d. The Saturn model two is the best controller. One of the best controllers I've ever felt. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't take no laws. I didn't take no cap. (laughs) If you if you've never felt a Saturn Model Two controller in your life, uh, just take like a, f- a few seconds with that D pad, and you'll be like, okay, I fucking get it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, sure. It, it is one of the best controllers I've ever felt. It does it does feel a bit cheap, admittedly. Like when you shake the controller, like the way that the button, the face buttons are kind of set, they rattle. But that's kind of like a characteristic of it. It doesn't like degrade from the actual like use of the controller. You know what I mean? Like it still yeah. feels snappy, responsive. The buttons feel like really tactile and good to press. It's just a phenomenal controller. Next up, the Sony DualShock Four. This is the yes. one we've been waiting for for the PlayStation's. Yeah. This is the one. This is man. This is where Already. they finally took all that innovation and change from like years past up to PS3 and realized, you know, we need a, a different layout. We need we need, like to, cha- we need to change some it. shit up. Yeah. Yeah. And so boy did they. So it's PlayStation. The layout is literally the same as the others. But it is. But 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 they got it right this time. They got Everything it so right. Good. Everything felt good. Yeah. So the dual shock four, obviously, shock means rumble. They brought <laughs> it back. But I don't know why the last one didn't have it. I guess they were just like, it's a DualShock 3 with no rumble. Well, DualShock 3 <laughs> did have rumble. It didn't at first when it was called the six axis. They eventually did bring the uh, rumble okay. back for DualShock 3. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so yeah. DualShock means rumble. So yeah, DualShock 4, the, um, what'd you call them? The trigger buttons? Like the analog triggers? Yeah, the analog triggers. They felt good. You can finally play shooting games with them. Yes. Which is part of the reason why... You see a lot of like um, PlayStation exclusive shooting games um, on the PlayStation naturally just doing so well because they ha- finally have a controller that feels really good. Yeah. And the right and left bumper feel very tactile. Mm-hmm. They feel like you're pressing a button. They're not mushy at all. I, I would, I would and, argue against that, but go off. I'll let you have this. The and maybe you know maybe maybe it also it also could depend on the type of games we were playing right because I play a lot of fighting games so for me they feel just right uh but yeah the face buttons feel very good they have this weird they kind of feel like Xbox buttons in the way they spring back towards you they're not like like they you don't mush them in per se like they they're like normal buttons they were flat uh, the buttons themselves were flat as opposed to like the yeah. Xbox 360 and Xbox Ones had like a very circular yeah. top to them. The PS4 controllers buttons, well, all the PlayStation controllers buttons were flat. Yeah, all of them were flat. Yeah, they just yeah. I was just referring to how kind of like when you click them, they like bounce back. You know what I mean? Yes. And like they're it, not it like very uh, tactile bump and bounce to them. Yeah. It felt really good to press. Yeah. the The D pad felt good. And <laughs> D pad. 
Dude, so I don't know what it was with PlayStation using this weird mesh feel. I don't know what the feeling was. It was this weird mesh feeling, but these buttons felt like plastic. The DualShock 4's buttons feel like smooth plastic, which I actually like more. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like, I, and I think I like more because they resemble the other buttons on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I like the fact that they're similar. Um, the analog sticks feel good, even though I never use them. Because I play fighting games and I don't like using analog sticks. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what games you would use these for. Maybe platformers. People might like them with platformers. I use it for my PC, so I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about your PlayStation exclusives. <laughs> I use this controller on my PC, but uh, this controller I feel like still not as good as the Xbox for shooting games. However, I do feel like I do feel like this controller was made for fighting games mm-hmm. was made for it. Like every tournament you go to, if you, if you, if you're not in the fighting scene, uh, every tournament you go to, you'll see them using a PlayStation con- uh, console. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. because the console itself it's because of the controller. Cause controllers are important. Mm-hmm. And for a while, Xbox didn't have a lot of like, uh, a lot of variety as far as the fight sticks you could use. PlayStation had way more. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until like, I'm not going to say recent because recent isn't a good word for it, but it wasn't until a while that Xbox finally caught up. But even even then, it was too it was too late because PlayStation had already pretty much taken over like the fighting game community at that point. Unless you're playing like a Nintendo game like Smash Brothers. But other than that, you can't get Smash Brothers games on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the middle thing does. I, I play it on PC, so I have no idea what that thing does. <laughs> See, it's a touchpad. Not very many games used it. And the games that did, it was, very, it was a very gimmicky thing. Um, I no, liked okay. using it for the on-screen keyboard because you can, like, it was like a swipe keyboard, kind of. Oh, okay. So you can, like, it, and also, it acts as, like, a big clickable button, that touchpad. So, like, you can move a cursor around using the touchpad and, like, press down on it to hit certain keys on the on the, on the on-screen keyboard. It did feel really good. Um, I used to use a DualShock 4 as as my PC controller. Um, the software that I used for it, um, it the touchpad acted as the mouse, so I could just kind of like lounge back and use the touchpad as like a mouse pad to like yeah. swipe around and everything, and it and it worked very well. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously by this point, if your if your controller isn't wireless, then there's something wrong with it. However, this controller did not have a charging pack. All you do plug it in it charges and then presto you got a fully charged controller i will I mean, it say happen like that fast, but yeah. i will say the battery life on a dualshock 4 is pretty abysmal though in my opinion yeah very abysmal it's, it's I agree. Really but it was incredibly comfortable to hold yeah but my problem with the dualshock 3 so many shooting games depended on using the l1 and r1 buttons for shooting you're not the analog triggers because that's <laughs> just where your fingers just naturally fell the way that you had to hold a DualShock 3. Holding a DualShock 4, your fingers naturally fell where the analog triggers were and it just felt right. Like they nailed like okay. the they redid like the feel of this controller in the hand to where your fingers just naturally felt there. The the joysticks feel great. The, all the buttons feel great. Hey, this is a great controller. This is a great controller. This is a great controller. I'd put it's this at the top a, of his class. In terms of the generation it came out with, I still use an Xbox One controller for my PC. Yeah. That being said, the DualShock 4, I think, was the better controller yeah. of, that, of his generation. 
I use, yeah, I'll use the Xbox if I'm playing a shooting game, and I'll use the PlayStation if I'm playing the fighting game. I mostly use Xbox on my PC for ease of use, and I'm yeah, sure the DualShock yeah. 4 has better support on a PC than it did when I was messing around with that stuff. Yeah. But, boy, does the DualShock 4 feel really good. And now, we've come to our final controller. <laughs> this is a big one. This is a doozy. The Wii Remote. The Wii Remote. The, uh, the Nintendo uh, Wii Remote. Such a great controller. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are probably going to be really mad how I feel about this controller. Yeah, no, I, yeah they are. If they feel <laughs> like me, who knows? They might love it. People, Some people love this controller, dude. Some people really do. It's such an innovative controller. I agree. It figured out exactly what it was trying to do. Like, Nintendo knew what they were trying to accomplish with the Wii, and they were just like, okay, well, how do we add motion sensing to... control? Like, when people think of controllers, they think of, like, a thing you hold with two hands. And they're like, okay, well, how do we add... Mo we, like, we want to add, like, another degree of freedom to this controller, and that's motion sensing. The technology got to the point where Nintendo was tinkering with it enough to, like, want to make it a standard feature. But they were also very keen on having this console be open to as many people as possible specifically people who don't typically play video games like my grandma or whatever you know what i mean yeah like th yeah, this this controller. this this controller and console was positioned to be in every home and i think the design that what what they ended up with was a tv remote everybody knows what a tv remote is they know how one functions they know how to work it and nintendo just took that and we're all like this is perfect. Everybody knows what a TV remote is. Everyone knows how to hold one. That's how you do motion. It's just with one hand. They they make it so simple by just like holding this one thing in one hand and swinging it like a tennis racket to play Wii Sports Tennis. And nothing felt as good as that ever up to that point for motion sensing controls. Like Nintendo fucking nailed it. Granted, there were limitations to the technology that they were using, but games that were specifically designed with those specific limitations in mind, did this controller justice? I'm yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah. there's a reason why they then they didn't they made Twilight Princess on the on the GameCube. Yes, and then they released it also on the Wii on the Wii. Correct. But like the Wii version sold better because of the way you could play the game. I mean, it sold better motion. because that was like the new console. It was the new Zelda game on the new console. Like that's the way people want to play it. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still though, like, yeah, you know, but the motion and stuff like that. Despite the fact that Twilight Princess was retrofitted to add motion control, it felt so seamless to me. Yeah, I, I really do feel like they made it for the they made they innovated it for the Wii and just released like a GameCube port. Like I know it, I know they had it made before the Wii came out, but you know how like it takes them a while to even develop the console. Mm -hmm. So I feel like by the time they made Twilight Princess, the Wii was already like close to being done. Like they had pretty much like put the bells. They were just putting bells and whistles on it. Yeah. At that point, because this yeah. was near the end of the GameCube's run, right? Yeah, it, it was the end of the GameCube's run up to that point. Playing Twilight Princess with a Wii Remote, I thought I was gonna fucking hate because I'm like, I don't want to have to fucking swing my arm like a dumbass, like swinging the sword. But no, they actually yeah. made it like a really seamless experience. <laughs> They made yeah, it. Like the they race. made it feel pretty good. The like using this thing to play like light gun shooters or like pointing and shit. 
with it. Like it felt so natural, like pointing with the Wii remote at the screen to like choose menu options on like the main menu and stuff like that. It felt so natural. It felt so good. And the tactileness of the rumble, whenever like you're moving the remote around, moving the cursor on the screen, and as you're like gliding over menu options, like the the controller is vibrating as you're doing it, like it just felt second to like no controller felt as good as that up to that point in terms of its motion sensing, like its fidelity, like it was mind blowing. Yeah, not whatever the PlayStation Three was trying to do out of the water, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this controller has limitations, and a lot of developers are trying to get way more out of it than it was designed for, and a lot of games suffered because of it. But here's what Nintendo does, though. They add backwards compatibility. So, I mean, if you don't like this controller, don't use it. Use something else. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of Wii games required the use of the Wii Remote, but that being said, you could plug in a GameCube controller, and that controller is great. You could play certain games that, that took use of the GameCube controller. Right. They had the classic controller and the classic controller pro, which I really like those. But also, it was more than just the remote that made this controller work. You could also plug in the, the nunchuck attachment, which was like in your left hand, it was a thing you held that had a left analog stick and two trigger buttons, both digital. Oh, I should probably go over the button layout. It, who, yeah. who doesn't know what a Wii remote is? It's got a D-pad up top. Holding it vertically, it's got a D-pad on the very top. It's got an A button that your thumb rests naturally on. It's got a tr- B trigger button that your that your index finger lands on naturally. Below the A button, it's got a minus, a home, and a plus button sequentially from left to right. It's got a speaker built into the middle of it. So, like, sound effects and stuff were coming out of that speaker during gameplay. It was very crackly and very low quality, but it was a really cool innovation that the PS4 DualShock 4 ended up actually going with. And, um... It had uh, two buttons at the very bottom labeled one and two. Because if you held this controller sideways, you got a makeshift NES controller. And guess what? The NES controller was a standard. It was a standard. And also, the D-pad and the buttons on the Wii Remote felt fantastic. Those buttons feel great. The analog stick, in my opinion, actually felt pretty good. Yeah, and the nunchuck stick does feel really good. Uh, The two shoulder buttons on the nunchuck uh, don't feel as good. But, you know, it was a means to an end. I don't like this controller solely because of the fact of, like, where where I came from at that point in time mm-hmm. in controllers, you know. And I wasn't really, really willing to make that change. However, this controller was innovative. Incredibly innovative. Incredibly and innovative. I think... And it's not innovative in a way to where it's, like, it only inspired a few things, you know, or one or two things. Mm-hmm. You know, it inspired a lot of things. It really did. And because of that, yes, it's got to be a standard, man. I agree. This controller sets the standard. I hate this controller, but it set a standard. Yeah, I mean, we can hate controllers. Like, we hate the N64 controller. It may have set a standard, but it didn't set a standard well. It didn't set no standards to me. For the analog, it set an analog stick standard, but I, but that 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 was a bare minimum standard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like at least dude i would you know how much i would just play with this thing i would play with the uh the wii controller more so than the nintendo 64 controller Same. like you couldn't yes. you couldn't force me i would rather step on hot coals than play with the nintendo 64 controller <laughs> like i'm glad they're remaking nintendo 64 games for the switch <laughs> like <laughs> Again, the controller, the Wii Remote does have limitations, but 
when developers right. make games with those limitations in mind, like the experience was second to none. Like it felt great. It really, right. really did. Like looking back, like we, we think bad upon the Wii of like, oh, motion controls, blah. But like, no, for the most part, the good games really did nail it really well. Like it really did. And it set the standard for motion controls going forward. Like motion controls did get better. Motion controls are integral for all gaming going forward. Every controller, with the exception of like the Xbox controller, has motion built into it because of the Wii. And we're we're going with like virtual reality, like the Oculus and the HTC Vive and the the Valve Index. Like we wouldn't get the innovations that those are bringing with if the Wii Remote did not exist. We just wouldn't have that. Right. Uh, Wii Remote set a standard. Like it or hate it, I personally love it. I, the buttons. It's a great controller. It, it as a controller. Like, don't rate the controller for its games. Rate it for what it is. And the buttons feel great. The motion was incredibly, like, it worked. Everything yeah. about it worked. Like, I mean, it wasn't even, it's not even bad. At the bare minimum, it's passable. Yeah. The things, that made, the things like, that made the motion bad were games that were poorly made for it. Right. And games properly made for that motion felt great. But if you got an HTC Vive and you love it, thank, thank Nintendo for it. Thank the Wii. Thank the Wii. And that's it. That's all the controllers we got for this list. Let's do a quick breakdown. In our bad tier, our lone <laughs> controller, the Nintendo 64 controller. Garbage. It had its innovation with the analog stick, but boy, was it a not good analog stick. In our passable tier, the original Xbox, One, original Xbox Duke controller, the Wii U gamepad, the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons, the three-button Sega Genesis controller, Sega Dreamcast controller and the Sony DualShock 3. In our great controllers, we have the Xbox original Xbox controller S, the Sony DualShock 2. We didn't talk much about it, but we put the Switch Pro controller in there at some point. I forgot about that. <laughs> the Nintendo GameCube controller, the Sony DualShock 1 and the original PlayStation controller, the Xbox One controller and the PS4 controller. And in our standard tier, we have the Super Nintendo controller, the NES controller, the Xbox 360 controller, the Sega Saturn Model 2 controller, and the Wii Remote. That is our controller tier list. Uh, Isaiah, as always, thank you for joining me on this journey. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, always got to stick around for the low run. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Button Check. This was a doozy. We're almost at, yeah. Wow. We've had this a, was great. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I I talked way too much. You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna need some cough drops Holy with some honey God. in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, thank you as always, Isaiah. Yeah, no problem. And we will see you next time on Button Check. See ya. <laughs>